Pastor Tom, how you guys doing? Carl, Carl is back. Pastor Carl is back, but he's at Ahui Mana right now. He's making sure that they know that he's the lead pastor. But you got me, and I just want to say I wasn't backsliding. Still love Jesus. I know you guys haven't seen me in a while. Here I am. I'm going to preach to you guys this morning. Um, I, I want to give some props to our uh, announcer, Ahu, uh, Anuhea. She's doing a great job, huh? And uh, I, I just love Anu. Um, she's, uh, she was actually part of the youth when I was a pastor, and I was just, I was just so proud of her. And seriously give her props for being a youth leader. I mean, to get to literally to put up with stinky kids. I mean, that's, that's close. You're a saint. You're closer to, to being a saint right now. Um, but we're um, starting a new series this morning, um, and it's called Secret Stories. We're still talking about Jesus. Uh, the last series called The Greatest. This is the secret stories. And we'll get into the secret part, but it's really just getting into the parables of Jesus. Does anybody know what a parable is? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, a parable is just a story. And if you read the Gospels, which is the Gospels, the stories of Jesus in the Bible, um, you see Jesus telling these stories. And why we call them secret stories is because it's Jesus. If you think about it, Jesus, when he was here on earth, he was all human, right? But he was all God, too, which means he had a human brain, but he had God knowledge, which is like, here's what he had, God knowledge, because he was there at the creation. But then, boom, human brain, our brain. So I almost feel like he had a conflict. It's like, I got to make what I know a lot more simpler so that I can explain it to people. And so he said to his disciples, you are privileged to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. How many guys have ever been told a secret and you're just like, yeah, I got the privilege of knowing the secret. Like you, it made you feel better, right? You're just like, yeah, I'm in the in, I'm in the in group. Well, basically Jesus was saying, you know what, I'm, I, you're privileged to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He was taking these complex spiritual things and putting it so that we can understand it. And I want to explain what parable means um, uh, further on in, in, in the sermon. Uh, but we're going to be, the first parable we're going to be talking about is the sermon of the four soils, which is probably one of the more famous parables that everyone has heard. And you've probably heard it taught. You probably know the whole story. But we're, that's the one we're going to, go into, uh, but I want to tell you, and actually, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a talent or a gift or something you did, and probably more particularly when you were young, that you had potential to, like, be great at it, you know? Like, I don't know, maybe you're a good athlete or you're a good musician or you played chess really well and you're going to be the next whatever it was, champion of that, or, you know, and your parents are looking at you, Ooh, you're going to be the next pro football player, whatever it is, and life went on, you grew up, and for some reason, you didn't realize your true potential. Anybody with me? Yeah. Right? I think a lot of us were good at something, and here's what I, here's the potential that I'd never seen in my life come to uh, fruition. It was, uh, I was really good at math. Any math guys out there? Yes! <laughs> that was, <laughs> let's go math! You know? For some reason, I was really good at math. It, like, it came easy to me. And here's a weird thing. In junior high and high school, I enjoyed and loved math class. Thank you. I, I, love, I sat in the front row. I did my homework. Well, I, I don't know why, but it was just so easy for me. And so I, you know, my, my, my parents were like, ooh, he has a gift. So they sent me to summer school. And by the time I graduated from high school, my senior year, I was in calculus. You know what calculus is in high school? That's an AP class. Do the AP classes still exist? You know what AP stands for? Advanced placement. So when you're in high school, that's something to brag about. It's like, hey, what class are you going to? I'm going to my AP class. Where, where, where are you going? That dumb class? Is that what the class you're going to? Because I'm going to advanced. Right? And so it was, I had a chip on my shoulder, and I was, I was pretty smart, and it just came easy to me. The only problem was, was my calculus class had the most boringest teacher, and it was right after lunch. And this is before I found coffee or even drank coffee, because I didn't want it to stump my growth. It didn't work. But uh, <laughs> still short. But I just, every single day, I, I was sitting in the front row. I was good at math. 
I would just like fall asleep every single day, like, like, and I, I, I promise, that's all I remember about the class for a whole year, was me falling asleep. I'm sure all the, all my classmates were laughing at me every single day. It was right after lunch. I was like, we're tired. And I, I barely passed that class, but I passed and I got college credit. What's up? Right? I got college credit in high school. And for some reason, when I got into college, I got the college credit. I'm just like going, dude, I'm done with math. You know? I, I'm done with it. I, I had the smarts. I had the potential. I was really good at it. It came easy to me. But I just, for some reason, I think because I didn't want to do it, I didn't have any direction, I got a new girlfriend. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but it took me 10 years to graduate from college. I'm not going to get into it. Took a long time, you know, and I, got, I went on this sidetrack. And you know what? I'm thinking, if I followed my math potential, I wonder what, what would I have become? I wonder what, would, would I be the full-on uh, Goodwill hunting? Like, you know, I was like, I just figured out that formula. It's like, boom, I'm an I'm a idiot savant. I'm like, genius, whatever. Would I be friends with Stephen Hawking? I'd be texting him, so, what's up, man? What's up, Steve? You know? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I never realized that potential. Here's the thing. God has a potential for us. Actually, if you think about it, he created you. You you are in his mind. You are his masterpiece, which means he knows the potential that you're born with. That he, he knows what you can achieve. And actually, more importantly, he knows what he can achieve through you by his power. Anybody with me? He knows, and he, he knows the glory that uh, is intended for you. And what I mean the glory is, he knows that he can be glorified through you. Amen. He knows exactly what he, he has a, a great, can I move this? A plan for you. But the, the reality is, can't we sabotage that? Sure. Can't we choose something else? And the, the secret Right? We're calling it Secret Stories. The secret uh, uh, that the four four soils parable reveals is this. Is how can you maximize God's potential for your life? How can you maximize everything that God wants to give you and do through you? Because I don't want to miss out on anything. Anybody with me? I don't want to, I want to be someone like, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything. And I'm sure when I get to heaven, there's going to be a few things, and there's going to be, oh, man, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. And I'm not talking about perfection and whatever it is, but, man, I, I, I want to grab everything. And the secret of the four soils is saying, I can show you how to do that. I can show you how not to sabotage the glory that I have intended for you. Um, I think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul uh, was called Saul before, and he was born with, smarts. He was born with dedication. He was, uh, he was a leading Pharisee, a leading priest, which means he moved up through the ranks very, very quickly. I mean, he was just an ambitious guy. And he was so ambitious that he was assigned to actually, when, when it came to it, to kill Christians. That was, that's what, he was so good at what he did that he's like, you are the one that's going to find all the Christians and kill them. Well, you guys, hopefully you guys know the story in Acts. Jesus came and transformed his life on the road to Damascus, right? This is after he resurrected, but Jesus appeared to him, and he's, boom, Jesus changed his life. And I believe that Paul was sabotaging God's potential for him. And then he met Jesus, and he transformed his life. And guess what, guess what Saul, uh, Paul, his name turned to Paul. What did he do? He went on all those mission trips. He wrote, he wrote half the New Testament, Actually, about two-thirds, of the, if you count the books, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And I believe, and our, our vision here is, right, give you the best life possible. And I don't want you to misunderstand what give you the best life possible means. A lot, a lot of people think best life possible is like I'm living a life on the beach, I'm rich, whatever it is. Best life possible to me and what this church believes is what is receiving and doing everything that God has intended for you. Which means Paul, he ended up getting beaten and whipped. He ended up in jail. But you know what? He had the best life possible. Why? Because he was doing it for Jesus. He did it for God. And look how much, look how much benefit we are receiving from the Apostle Paul now. 
we read his books all the time. We read his, his verses all the time that God inspired him to write. And that's the best life possible. But we can sabotage it, but let's not do it. Are you guys with me? So let's go to the parable, and I want to maximize uh, God's potential, God's glory for your life. Um, let's turn to Luke 8, and we're going to talk about this parable, this story, this secret story. Verse 4 says this, and I want to paint the picture here. Jesus is getting famous. He's doing all these miracles. People are gathering to him. And so here's the scene. He actually was at a lake, and he had to put himself in a boat because the crowd was so big so that he can actually talk to the masses. This is pre-microphones um, and all that. So he's like preaching to a large crowd in a boat from a boat. And he says this. Luke 8, verse 4 says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. Uh, as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with, with it and choked out the tender plants. Still another seed fell on, on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as, as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, now... I want you guys to picture yourself on that lake right now. Because here's, here's the deal. We are 2,000 years away from when Christ was here on earth and when he read this parable. And we already know that he is Lord, right? Hopefully, you guys know he's Lord. We know Jesus did everything and accomplished that he is God. So we believe every word, right? And that we, we are, this is a good crowd. You guys, you guys are a good crowd. You guys aren't a tough crowd. Thank God. I'll go back to a who No, I'm just joking. You guys are an awesome crowd, but Jesus, he preached to a tough crowd. Why? Because not everyone believed he was the Messiah. He didn't accomplish anything yet. I mean, he was accomplishing all his miracles, but people were still going, I'm going to check this guy out. I don't know about this Jesus guy. Let's see what, let's see what he got, you know? Um, all the Pharisees and the leading priests are coming together going, okay, let's see if you really know your stuff. Are you really Messiah? Okay, let's see it. Go from a boat. Now, put yourself in that perspective as, uh, of a tough crowd. And then he starts off, notice one thing. Does he mention God in this parable? Nope. Didn't say anything about God. Did he, did he, did he quote any verses from the Old Testament? Nope. No, he starts off. He's in a boat. Everyone's like waiting for this guy. He's like, yeah, this guy's a big deal, huh? He starts off with a farmer. Throws out some seed. Some of that seed fell on the footpath. Birds came and ate it. Right? And I'm, just, I'm not going to. It goes on. I can, seriously, if I put myself in those shoes, I'd be like, what the? What is he talking about? I, I, I mean, I could see the guys, the Pharisees going, this guy didn't quote any scriptures at all. And they're judging him. They're going, who, who, who does this guy think he is? He's talking in, in riddles. I could see another guy going, dude, I heard John the Baptist last week, and he's so much better. <laughs> so much better than this guy. I don't understand, you know? I mean, think about it. I, I'm sure there were church shop, Messiah shoppers back then, right? There's church shoppers here. It's like, oh, man, that Tom, uh, Carl's way better, right? You know? And uh, I'm sure you're thinking that. That's okay. I'm going to preach anyway. Uh, but it was a tough crowd. Imagine what they were saying. That's what... Jesus had the face. And I want you to think about that because he really didn't really say much. It was confusing, even so much so that his own disciples, if you keep on going, his own disciples actually, actually like, took him on the side like, hey, Jesus, what was that all about? Can you explain? And, he, and it says this in verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, and here is what I said before, you are permitted to understand the secrets the kingdom of God. You're permitted. You're in the inner circle, okay? We're reading that now. We're a part of it because it's written down and we get to read it all. But these guys, the 12, they were the only one. They were the inner circle at that time. You're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables, stories, to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And here's a scripture 
that he finally gives from Isaiah. When they look, they won't see. When they hear, they won't understand. Which means there's a bunch of people that were looking at Jesus, and in front of their eyes was the Messiah, was the Christ, the one to be king of all kings and lord of all lords, but they didn't see him that way. Are you hearing me? They didn't see him. They're like, there's a guy on a boat, and he's talking about seeds. What? I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going back to John B. Let's do this. John B. was way better than this guy. You know? They didn't see it. Or they didn't hear, and they won't understand. Or like, seeds, and what? Like, what does that have to do with God? And they didn't grasp it. And so part of the reason why it's secret stories is that, that we're privileged to be a part of the secrets of the kingdom of God. But he also, Jesus, really genius, he used it as a way to conceal the truth. Because if you didn't really want to hear it, you're not going to hear it. If you didn't see me as a Messiah in the first place, you're not going to see. Are you hearing me? So these parables were used to reveal and to conceal. And not on Jesus' part. It was really about your part. Are you ready to hear this? Can I say it this way? Are you, is, your, is your heart, is the soil of your heart prepared to hear the truth of the Lord? And that's what we're talking about, the four soils today. So he goes on and says this. He says in verse 11, he says the key of the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Now, I, I thought about this. Why did you say that in the first place, Jesus, to everybody in the crowd? Right? Why did you just say it to the 12? That could have that, that opened up the window for all those guys. And I, I believe this. Jesus used, used parables to divide the herd. I mean, let's just be plain and simple here. Were you hungry or not? Do you want to hear from me or not? Or do you have a, a, an opinion and you want to criticize me? Because some of you guys are actually going to crucify me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to divide. Are you really going to dig in? Are you really going to think about it? And actually, more than think, I want you to choose. Are you going to dig in deeper and find out what I'm really saying? Or are you just going to give up right now and move, back, move to some, something else? And wait for the other Messiah to come. He was dividing the herd. I mean, this, I think it's such an amazing thing, a genius thing about Jesus. And he's saying, I want true believers. True people are going to follow me. Um, and so he goes on and he talks about the four soils. He, here's talking to his disciples. And he's describing, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down for you guys. And here it is. Uh, in verse 12. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So back when he said the parable, he said the footpath, but he used birds instead, right? Birds. What are you saying? The birds are the devil. <laughs> and, the, and the devil would take the seeds and fly away. And here's the thing about the footpath. Anybody been on a farm before? Sure. I live on a farm, so I know. So you're talking from, you're hearing from an authority right now. I live in my father-in-law's farm, and I have nothing to do with farming. I just see it, see it every day. Uh, but all I know is there's fields that are specific for, for, the, for the plants, and then there's a driveway that I drive on every single day, and that there's other places, and then there's a house, whatever it is. But it's all Waihole dirt, which means all that dirt has the potential to have a good field, to have a good seed, and to have a, a produce of a lot of fruit. But some of that is used for other purposes, for tractors, for people walking, for my car, whatever it is. And, the, and, the, and it gets packed down, and it becomes unusable dirt. Why? Because it's hard. And so that's the first soil. It's hard soil. This is hard soil, which means the seed bounces off, and it's just out in the open. It never germinates. It never, see, I know some farming words. And... Uh, <laughs> It never sinks in. It can't get any roots, and it never grows, and it, and it comes to nothing. And really what it's really saying is our hearts. Is it hard? Do we have hard hearts? And I, and, and I really believe this is for non-believers because I think there's a lot of people that you would throw the gospel to and go, hey, this is the gospel, this is Jesus, and they would be offended because in 1 Corinthians it says some people look at the, the gospel as foolish, like, what? You're going to believe in that? That's a, that's a crutch you're believing in. It's 
So there's a lot of people with hard hearts saying, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to believe that. I believe in my, myself. And there's people that will reject it. And that's a hard heart. But I also believe, as Christians, don't you think we can have hard hearts? Sure. And we got to be, let's be honest here, that we can have, we're open for Jesus, but there's, man, how many guys have sections in your heart? Boom, that's hard. Boom. Because of maybe a sin. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you really like, and you're like, ah, I'm going to keep that one. I like that sin. Right? Or maybe there's pride. I, 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 one of the things that the Lord has really taught me, and not that I struggle with it, but just learn humility. Just put down my pride. Because sometimes you think pride, think, I've learned enough and I know about Jesus. You know what? There's always more to learn about Jesus. You can't harden your heart and go, I, I, no, I already know that. Right? There's the, here's a touchy subject, unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. Uh, some of us didn't take communion this morning because we're holding a grudge against someone. And, and the reason why I'm not, I don't want to step on your toes or, or, or condemn you because I'm struggling with that. At the beginning of the year, I had a list of people that I really was mad at, that I had some unforgiveness for. And God just clearly said to me, this is going to be a year of healing for you, Tom. You better let them people go. And it's June. I have no watch. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm still working on it. I'm still, and God's been softening my heart and softening the ground. But I want to admit to you right now that I had a hard heart. To, I'm like, I don't want to forget. I deserve it. Anybody hear me? Ah! And God's saying, no, that's exhausting. No, stop that. You need to be healed. You need to let them go. And so God's been softening my heart. I'm going to move on. Okay, so that's the first one, is that hard heart. Um, Jesus moves on to the second one. Um, and he says this, The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. You know what kind of soil this is? It's the shallow soil. And the reason why it's shallow is because it was rocks. And so the seed had a chance to like, all right, cool, awesome, boom, boom, grow, you know, germinate. And it was going to grow. It's like, I'm going to grow this way. But then when the roots hit the rocks, there was nothing to grab onto. There was nothing to like, uh, there's no moisture there. It was no nutrients there. It was just rocks. It wasn't the soil of Waihole. It was like, it was just, uh, and then it just wilted and died. Now, I thought Carl hit this, uh, the nail on the head when he said this. You know what kind of Christians these are? It's the people who receive it with joy. And they fall away. You know what? He said this. Um, God is good when life is good. I was like, ooh, that's good. That God is good to you only when your life is awesome and God is doing amazing things and you're sitting in front of you. But when it gets hard and temptation, it's like, oh, I don't know. And you fall away. I've seen this so many times that you have a, 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 a heart that's, Shallow because of the fact that you get excited. But there's no roots. There's no depth. There's no personal relationship with the Lord. There's no accountability. People aren't, aren't holding you accountable to anything. I saw this. I was a youth pastor so many times. Anybody been to camps before? Like uh, youth camps or whatever it is. I mean, we did camps year after year. And those are the best things. That, and I grew up doing, me and Pastor Carl grew up uh, with camps. And we'd see hundreds and thousands of kids get excited for the Lord. Then they would disappear. Two months later, they would disappear. And these are guys that had great testimonies and, and challenging people to worship the Lord. And then I don't see them anymore. And it's because they had shallow roots. The next one is, the next soil is the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Uh, this kind of soil is the crowded soil. It's crowded. What is it crowded with? With weeds. Anybody have weeds problem? We, 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 not weeds. Weed problem. I'm not talking about that kind of weed. I'm talking about garden weeds, whatever it is. And the problem is, is weeds just grow. And they can grow and grow everywhere, and they grow big. And, and what they do is they block out sun, and, 
and they have thorns and whatever it is. And I have this picture of yet your, the plant is growing in your, in your soil so great and it's bearing fruit, but then there's this thorny bush that's growing right beside it because it's enjoying the same nutrients, so it's growing at the same time. And I, I can see when the fruit finally bears, it's like the thorn's like, bloop, <laughs> nope, right? And that fruit is ruined. The fruit is ruined, and it stunts your growth. It, stunt, it stunts your maturity in the Lord. That, and, and, and actually, eventually, can even crowd out so much that it's blocking sunlight now. Now you're not receiving any nutrients. Now it's taking all the nutrients away from you, and then eventually that plant could potentially die out. And one of the two things that, well, actually the one thing that I, I read in the gospel is you can't serve two masters. You know, you, you can't serve two masters, which means does Jesus want the abundant full life for us? And I've said this before, right? And a lot of us at church are going, yes, I want that abundant life. But a lot of us aren't, aren't going to admit that we really kind of go, I want the good enough life. Lord Jesus, you give the full life. You know what? I want the three-fourth life. Give me the .5 life. Yes. You know? And we live like that because why? Because there's a lot of cares. There's a lot of other stuff that is crowding out. Our, our love for the Lord. So that's the crowded soil. Um, and then finally, it's the good soil. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Um, this is good soil. And you know what I love about this verse? It says this. They hear it, and they cling to it. Okay? Now, I want to speak to the wives right now. How many guys... Have really good husbands that hear really well. How many guys have husbands that listen really well? A little, little less. Isn't there a difference between hearing and listening? And I'm going to confess to you right now, because my wife would attest to it, I'm a great hearer. I don't listen very well, which means I don't apply it to my heart. I don't, apply, I don't put it into action, Right? I can hear my kids saying something. I hear it. <laughs> change my diaper. Change my diaper. I'm not listening to that. You know? Take me to the bathroom. Mom? You know? I'm a poor listener. I, I'll confess that to you. And here it's saying, to be good soil, you hear the word and you cling to it. You cling to it, which means it's in your heart. It's not something, oh, that was a great word, Tom. I'm not puffing myself up. I'm just saying, when you hear the word of God and the truth, it's going to sink in. Here's a truth litmus test I was thinking of. Um, you know, ever been to another church before? And, uh, you know, and, and, and I do this because I love my church. I really do. And I just go, this guy doesn't sing as good as Trevor. It's, not, it's pretty, it's all right. It's pretty good. You know, then you hear a sermon like, eh, he's not as good as Carl. And you compare. But I want to say one thing. If you're in a good church, really good, Jesus-loving church, and they're preaching the Bible, God wants to show you something. doesn't matter. And you got to have the attitude. When you, when you come into that church, you're going to hear it. You're going to receive. Because God wants, wants you to be a, the good soil. And, and seriously, I, I get tested. I went to a church that's, Totally different culture from our church. The worship's very subdued. Preaching's a little different. But I remember I went to this church, and I sat down, and I purposely said, I'm going to get my notes out. I'm going to get my Bible out. I'm going to receive from the Lord. And I, I consciously did that. So the guy started preaching, and he had some really good stuff. So I'm like writing in my notebook and whatever it is. And then he said something. He said, well, you know, there's some other churches. They worship with a lot of emotion." Some of those churches, they worship with loud music and drums. And I'm sitting there going, that's, that's my church. That's the church I go to. And, and literally, I could feel the soil in my heart drying up. It, it was like getting hard and shallow and crap. Like, I don't want to listen to this, you know. 
I literally, I could feel, I was just like, well, what did he just say? I was like, let's go, man, you know? I was getting a little defensive. I looked at my notes. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cross out these notes. I'm going to rip out this note page right now. And God convicted me. So, did I speak to you or not? Are you going to listen or not? Because he's preaching the word of God. Yeah, he has an opinion about it, and he's human and he's flesh. But I'm speaking to you right now. Are you going to listen? Are you going to cling to it? Yes, Lord. I still have the notes. I didn't rip it out. <laughs> Check my heart. Check the soil of my heart. Um, are you going to cling to it? And so, but here's, here's the question of the hour, right? You're reading this going, Jesus, that's a great parable and all, but you're not telling me how I get the good soil. And I think he actually is. If you really dig deep into what he's really saying, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how you can get good soil. And so I'm going to show you something. I have an acronym I want to share with you guys of how you can get good soil, which means how can you maximize everything that God wants to pour upon you? Receive the blessings being used by him. And here's the, here's the one line I want you to write down if you're taking notes. I want you to work the dirt. I don't see you guys writing. It's like, you know, you're typing. No, I'm just joking. You don't, have to, I'm, you don't have to take notes. But just remember what? Work the dirt. Okay? I have actually a picture of, of me working the dirt. Um, actually, I took the picture. I, like I said, I live on a farm, so I'm a, an authority. Um, back there on the lawnmower, that's my father-in-law doing all the work. He actually plowed the land. He actually, whatever it is. Uh, there's my wife, Grace, my daughter, Olive, and my son, Judah, here. Uh, we're planting corn. And my wife is preparing the dirt and whatever it is. There were, this dirt, let me tell you, this dirt has worked. It's ready, which means it's, it's ready to receive the seed. And I want to point out one thing. There's my son there with a whole bunch of corn seeds. He's three years old. And it doesn't matter where you're receiving, whoever's throwing the seed out, it's still the word of God. And if you have a, a field that is prepped and ready to go, anybody and anything, a three-year-old can throw a seed and go, boop, and it'll grow. Because it's the seed of God. It's the truth. And my, my, my son's doing a pretty good job by it, by the way. He got it right in that hole. It was awesome. So here's the thing. Here's the acronym I want to give you, how to work the dirt. D-I-R-T, dirt. Because the truth of the matter is, aren't we all from dirt? Yes. Oh, yeah. In Genesis, it says uh, that we were made from the dust. And then God breathed his life and we became alive, human. Ecclesiastes says that when we, we come from dust, guess what? We're going to go back to dust. And the only thing that has all the potential, if you really think about it, is the seed. Is that truth. That's going to be planted in our hearts. We don't do anything. It's the seed. I mean, we, our job is making sure we're working the dirt. And that, thing, that dirt is prepared to receive the seed. So my acronym is D-I-R-T. Uh, that's how you spell dirt. Thank you. Like I said, I'm pretty smart. Um, calculus. Uh, but here's the, here's the D. And here's how you can get the best soil, the good soil. Is number one, diagnose. D. Diagnose. And what does that mean? When you have a diagnosis, you're opening yourself to be examined. Aren't you? You go to the doctor and they're going to diagnose you. They're going to want, they want to see typically what's wrong. What's going on? Is there something wrong here? We want to diagnose you. And that's a, isn't that a scary place to be? To actually allow God to diagnose you. In Psalm 37, here is a very, to me, sometimes scary thing to pray. But in Psalm 139, it says this, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Whoo! I'm telling you right now, as a pastor, you think, oh my gosh, that's an easy, that is not an easy prayer. But I want to tell you one thing. If you're willing to pray a prayer like that, However fearful it is, however, it's like, okay, God, search me and know my heart. It's one of those things where there's, if there's hard soil, God can just get in there. Just get, get a little bit. Like I said before, God told me in January 
you got to forgive those people. Dude, it's still June. I'm still struggling with it, but I'm working on it. But I allow God in January to search my heart. And it's been planted in there, and it's working, and it's a process. Are you willing for God to search your life? Let me give you some news. He already knows it. The only problem is, are you going to allow him to do it? That's the first one, diagnose. Uh, the second one, uh, how to get good soil is invest. The I, the invest. And what I mean by that is, is that instead of just believing, that you would actually take action and actually sacrifice some things. This is a hard one because I think when you invest into something, it takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. It takes sacrificing something that actually might hurt you. I mean, think about it. Uh, maybe you guys have ever experienced this before. Maybe your friend had a really great invention idea, like a new business startup. He's like, dude, I have this great idea. Like, we're going to do this and this. We're going to start whatever, this food truck, and we're going to cook this. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. That is such a great idea. And then your friend's like, yeah, you want to um, give some money to it? You want to invest in it? Like, huh? no. I'll, I'll buy the food when the food truck comes, you know? And there's a difference between, hey, man, I believe in what you're doing and investing in it. Because you know why? You're going to invest into something you absolutely believe in. And what, what, I mean, what I mean to you guys is that you would just go beyond your comfort zone in your walk with Jesus Christ. That you would go beyond and take some leaps of faith. For some of you, I don't know what that looks like. Here's an easy way to start investing in the Lord. And I'm not, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to get money from you guys. But, but I'm just saying because I believe this. Is start tithing. And I believe this because I believe that God has a potential for this church. I believe God wants to save lives. 700 plus people dedicate their lives to Jesus this year in this church alone. Almost a thousand people coming to Jesus Christ. I believe it. I'm not, I'm not going here to give money. I'm saying this. I believe in it, and so that's why I'm giving. And that's investing into the kingdom of the Lord. Here's another easy way. Get into a connect group, which means this. Get yourself in a place where you're open to other people, to actually share your life with, to maybe even share your dirty laundry a little bit, and they're going to share their dirty laundry, and they get to pray with you, and you get to pray for them, and they get to help you in the hard times. I think a lot of us, we just go to church, and we're like, I don't want to know anybody, and whatever it is, I'm just going to go to my home, yeah, you know? What I found out through connect groups, we used to call them mini church, is I found out, I found the best friends in my life. I, I found my wife in this church, by the way, because I actually met people. I went out and met people. I met my wife here. And I stepped out of my comfort zone. And I don't know what your comfort zone is, but I think there's a time where it's like, okay, I'm going from just believing. I'm committing. I'm all the way in, God. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, cool. Um, and the third one, I like this one a lot. The R, so we did uh, diagnose, invest, and revere is the third one. Revere is the R. And revere means... To put someone above the rest. I revere, right? We, we have all some people that we respect and we look up to, but there's some people in our lives we revere, right? Like, ooh, you're, that's it. And all about you guys, but for me, Jesus truly is the name above all names. That's what we sing all the time, name above all names. And every time I sing that or every time I say that line, I picture literally Jesus' name Rising above Bob, Ethel, Mildred, Penelope. I mean, these are weird names, I know, but. <laughs> right? And I see Jesus' name rising above it. And I think about the third soil, the, uh, the crowded soil. Is Jesus name above all names, or is he just one of the names? Is he equal par to your business? Is he equal par to that thing that you love to do? Is he equal par with the cares and the pleasures of this world? Or is he above it? Do you revere him? And I think, I don't wish this on anybody, but I think sometimes it's necessary, is that when we go through hard times, 
I'm only speaking from personal experience, is when I've gone through the hardest times of my life, those are the worst times of my life. Those were the rocky points where I'm like down in the dumps. But I remember there was one time when I said to Jesus, you're all I've got. And there's going to be time when you have to come to a place when all those things you thought were important, all those things that you thought you have to hold on to, when everything gets stripped away, it was not that important as, as is Jesus is important to your life. Those things start falling away. Um, I used to be a landscaper. Um, and the one thing I learned about landscaping, and we used to, like, install, like, lawns. Um, if I ever, by the grace of God, buy my own house um, and not live with my in-laws. Thank you, in-laws, by the way. Thank you for housing us. Um, I would plant El Toro grass in my yard. Anybody know what El Toro is? Well, all I know is it's the most tenacious, most tough, and it like literally, if you do it right, it literally chokes out the weeds. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like this creepy like grass, like it grows, you fertilize, it's like, I'm going after you. Like, and if you're the lone weed, dude, you're done. It's like, it's like, I'm going to, and if it grows and does properly, it's like, it's like this, and here's the weed, and it actually comes up, and it just thickens out, and the weed's like, and it's sucking all the nutrients, and by the time, and it literally, I, I'm, like, uh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help this. This is what I do. And I remember planting this in my, my parents' yard, El Toro, with a whole yard full of weeds. And I'm not sure how long it took, but that weed was all grass by the time it was done. It choked out everything that was not supposed to be there. And I really believe this. If Jesus is really the name above all names, and if we are revering him as we should, God should choke out the weeds, not the weeds choking out us. God should be choking out everything else in our lives. And boom, it's, it's gone. And I have, a, I have a really good example of that. Um, am I good on time? Sorry. Um, I'm almost done. We, me and Pastor Tammy went to go visit someone this week in the hospital, a member of our church. And she has an enlar enlarged heart. And she's waiting for a heart transplant. And so... Me and Tammy, as good pastors, were like, let's go minister to our fellow member, you know? We had, like, we're pastors. You know, we have the car. It's like, dude, you have to let me through. Free parking. Come on. You know? We didn't get free parking, by the way. And then we got there, and I was just flabbergasted because I was talking to her, and she was just saying how every morning she listens to this, these worship songs in the morning, and and she looks out the window and just talks to God and has devotions. And, and then she kept on saying, you know, God has a purpose for me. God actually, she said this, God has a plan for me right here, right now. I'm ministering to the nurses. I'm, I'm showing Jesus to all the doctors. And I could tell these, 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 these people, were, the nurses were coming in. And they were treating her like, dude, do you need anything? Do you want anything? Like, I could tell they really loved her. And she was making a huge difference, and she's waiting for this heart transplant that hasn't come yet. And we, me and Tammy went there to minister to her. Dude, by the end of this, like, you're ministering to us. The faith of this woman was incredible. The faith. She's all, I know this is going to happen. I know I'm going to be alive after this. I'm going to get a new heart transplant. And I was so in awe of her faith. She, she, she revered God and all the cares and the worries of what her life's going to be got crowded out by the love of Jesus. I thought that was so cool. The last one is the T. And the last word I want to give you is trust. Is that how do you get a good soul? Well, you trust the Lord. You trust that the Lord, when he plants that seed in your heart, that it's going to produce a harvest of 20, 30, 100, bigger than you've ever dreamed of. You know what the problem with seed and planting is? It takes a long time, doesn't it? 
my, my kids, we planted corn. Actually, they love corn. I love corn. And I could see my son. He didn't do this, but I could almost imagine him doing this, like planting the seed, we cover it up, and he'll wait for the, the corn to come, pop up. Where's my corn? I want to eat corn. And I think so much, we don't see the seed, or it takes too long. And we never see it happen. And I want to just tell you, trust in the Lord. All your job is, is to make sure your soil is good. Let God do the rest. Let God do the production. Let God work the stuff in your heart. Just make, your soil, make sure your soil is ready to receive. My challenge for you guys this week is work the dirt. Be honest. I mean, I, I think if anybody just did the first step to D, to diagnose, I think we'd go a long way because that's hard. It's like, okay, God, search me. I think God will honor that and go, yeah, okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I want to work in your heart. I want to do great things because I got better for you. Or maybe there's a, There's a shallowness to your Christianity, to your walk with Christ that you need to go deeper in. Or maybe there's some things that are just crowding out, and you're too busy, and you're doing this or whatever it is, and it's, it's choking the God in you. And I just want to say, man, choke it back <laughs> with the Lord. Choke it out. Push out the weeds and work the good soil. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I hope I did your parable justice, God. And Lord, I know we're calling it secret stories, but it really isn't a secret anymore because of the fact that you died and you rose again and you're our Messiah. And that back then they didn't know that all that was going to happen. They didn't know that you were the Messiah. They They weren't sure, but we are absolutely sure. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to work the dirt in our lives, that we would maximize the glory that you have intended for us. Not for our glory, but for your glory alone. The, 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 the fruit that you want to come out of our lives. The, the adventurous life that is way beyond what we've ever thought of or dreamt of that you have planned for us. Lord, I pray that we would, you would help us to do the things we need to do. To ask the tough question. The toughest of them all, I believe. Lord, search my heart. Lord, look in there. See what you got. And that we would be open to it. That we would be open to it. Open to your answer. You're such a gentleman. You're such a loving God. You're not going to condemn us. You just want to make our life fruitful. Thank you so much, God. I just want to pray for anyone here. I want to make sure we don't leave this room without giving you an opportunity to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. It could be for the first time or maybe you're rededicating, coming back. And really what this is, is a prayer to declare to the Lord, I believe you you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the grave. Uh, You resurrected and, and in one action, you conquered sin and death in my life. You forgave me of my sin by your blood. And now, I have the chance to live with you in eternity. And really, you're declaring that you're a born-again Christian, a follower of Jesus. And like I said, maybe this is the first time you're going to do this, or maybe you've done this before and you want to rededicate your life. This prayer is for for both of, of you. But before I say that prayer, and I want you to say that prayer with me, I want to know who's going to be praying with me. I'm going to count to three, and all I ask is that you raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, you're basically saying, Pastor Tom, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus Christ. And more, more importantly, you're not saying it to me. You're saying it to God. God, I want to, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. And because of that, I want to give you my life right now. So if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. Don't leave this room without doing that. So on three, here you go. Just raise your hand and, Tell me that you want to pray with me. Here we we go. One, two, 
three. Anybody here? We got a bunch of hands right, right going up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're in the double digits. Anybody? Awesome. And I don't, I don't mean this to say that it's all about numbers. I'm just that there's all these souls dedicating their life to Jesus right now. I think that's amazing. Individual souls dedicating their life. Anybody else? It's all about 10 people. Oh, praise God. Best decision you'll ever make. Soul-saving, life-saving decision right now. Thank you so much. Just say this prayer like it's your own. Just kind of hitchhike off of my words under your breath. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now and I declare that you are Lord and Savior of my life for this reason alone, because you died on the cross. You gave yourself willingly. Yeah, they put you up and they murdered you, but you allowed them to do that to you because you knew there's going to be victory by the blood and the brokenness of your body and that by the stripes, by your stripes, I am healed and I am forgiven and I am restored to relationship with you. So I believe that. And because you did all that, because, because you rose again in life, resurrected from the grave and conquered death in my life as well. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I put it in your hands. I trust that you would take this dirt and plant your word and your seed and that you produce a harvest in my life. I give you my life as my Savior and my as, as you're my Savior, my Lord, and my friend. Thank you. In Jesus' first name, we all say, amen. amen. Let's give those people a hand. Wow, 10-something people. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you guys. Congratulations. Congratulations. Best decision you have ever made in your life. This is what we live for. This is why we do what we do. Uh, I, want to, I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, we have a Bible we want to give you. So go to the Connect Center, receive that Bible, and just say, hey, I pray with Pastor Tom. Uh, we have a baptism coming up pretty soon. We have a new believers class. If you're new, go to the Connect Center. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team that would love to pray for you. Uh, let's dance in one last song.